You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You know, if you really think about it, we've gone from the smallest government in world history to the largest government in world history in a shockingly short amount of time. And during this short time, we've seen individual freedom and civil liberties decimated in the wake of the state's never-ending quest for more and more control. Democrats, Republicans, both are to blame. This show isn't about picking sides. It's about returning power to its rightful owner, the individual. Welcome to Freedom Strips on the We Are Libertarians Network. Well, welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker, and it is good to see you again. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, everybody, for your support. I, honestly, like, I, I can't believe, like, the support I've gotten on this on this show. It really started out, and it really is just a hobby, so... Um, really just thank you. Thank you for all the support. So let's go ahead and jump right in. A a lot has happened in the past, um, week. So let's, let's go ahead and first story I want to talk about is this, uh, the government's small business paycheck protection program. So this is the, the program where the, um, essentially the banks are authorized under this program to issue out loans to companies with up to 500 uh, employees. So it's it's essentially a loan program that the government has put together to help out small businesses. Um, and initially, it was $350 billion is what they um, dished out for these loans for the small businesses. But that got wiped out in like just a few weeks. It, it ran out of money. So they just issued um, on Friday, President Trump injected another $310 billion into the program. So now it's totaling over $660 billion. And, and the loans are intended to cover a payroll and overhead that will be forgiven if the companies don't lay off the workers. So the whole idea is to try and, I mean, unemployment is skyrocketing right now. I believe it's over $25 million is the number. Um, the number is likely higher than that. So, um, essentially these small businesses can take this loan and essentially they don't have to pay back the loan as long as they don't lay off workers. So it's, it's trying to solve the, uh, this problem where these small businesses are having to hemorrhage workers because they just can't, they can't pay people if they don't have money coming in. Well, Turns out this program, surprise, surprise, has been abused by larger companies. So large chain restaurants such as Ruth Chris Steakhouse got a $20 million loan and they had $468 million in sales last year and they have approximately 5,600 employees. So remember that the, the idea of this was to give money to, to small businesses, right? I don't know if making $468 million a year and having 5,600 employees qualifies as a small business, but Ruth Chris got 20 million in it. Um, the restaurant Potbelly got a $10 million loan and they had $410 million in revenue and 6,000 employees last year. And the same day that the loan came through, the company paid a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus to its new executive. 
Wow. How about that? How about that? Uh, the restaurant Shake Shack got a $10 million loan. And they had sales of $574 million last year, and they have over 6,000 employees. So public outrage, as you can imagine, once this story got out, was all over the internet. Um, public outrage was livid with these, and rightly so, with these large companies taking advantage of the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, which is meant for small businesses, but of course, you know, government's going to government. They didn't set the rules right, so it's being taken advantage of. Uh, Ruth's Chris and Shake Shack so far have agreed to return the funds only after the public outrage, by the way, it wasn't like they got the money and was like, Oh wait, we, we shouldn't have uh, actually gotten this. You know, why would they apply for something like that in the first place? Well, I guess if it's, you know, free money, why not? You know, if, if they're just dishing out $600 billion, why not take a piece of the pie? Right? So only after public outrage, Shake Shack and Ruth's Chris have uh, decided to return the funds that they've got. And if that wasn't enough, Harvard University has also been granted and is accepting a $8.7 million loan in federal aid. And only half of that must be reserved for emergency financial aid for students. Consider that in fiscal year 2019, Harvard spent $1.9 billion of its endowment covering the gaps for students in need and has ended the year with nearly $300 million in surplus. Harvard has a $40 billion endowment. Yes, that is $40 billion with a B in the bank and they're keeping the $8.7 million in federal aid. So this is all extremely frustrating, obviously, especially, especially for those who own a small business and actually really need the help to stay afloat. This is what this was supposed to be. But what does the, what what did the government expect to happen through all this? I I mean, you, if you release $600 billion in guaranteed loans with no oversight, no clear restrictions or instructions that it won't be taken advantage of. Really? You don't think that's going to happen? This is a pure example of centralized planning. The government's incompetence is on full display with, the, with this COVID-19 pandemic, and we aren't even close to the end of this ride, guys. This is just getting started. I mean, like I said, $660 billion in stimulus meant to help small businesses getting taken advantage of, and this is just the start. This is just the start. Let's move on. Another article that I saw related to this COVID-19 pandemic, Social Security will be insolvent even sooner than expected thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is an article from Reason Magazine here. A new report from the Social Security Administration expects the program to be to hit insolvency by 2035. Some experts say it could happen as soon as 2028 if there is a serious recession, which in all likelihood... It very well may be on the horizon. The trustees of the Social Security Administration released their annual report on the program's long-term solvency on Wednesday, but the report is likely already out of date since it doesn't take into account the sharp economic downturn triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic. Even without the pandemic factoring into the calculations, Social Security is having, heading for insolvency by 2035, the report says. So this was, all, this was already an insolvent program heading to be insolvent by 2035 and this isn't even taking into account the 
economic downturn of the history of the world here. The country has never seen an economic downturn quite like this, a drop in economic activity. The economy just absolutely full stop, emergency break, nothing's happening. So that doesn't mean the program will be bankrupt, but it represents the date when Social Security's reserves would be used up and mandatory benefits cut, b- mandatory benefits cuts would be instituted across the board. If nothing is done to shore up Social Security, current projections anticipate that the beneficiaries will receive only 79% of expected benefits with further further cuts needed in future years. 15 years might sound like a long time, but it's really not. Anyone over the age of 50 today is likely facing the prospect of benefit cuts happening before they retire. And again, that doesn't account for the current economic crisis. If the coronavirus results in economic losses of 15% for the current year, the program would likely face insolvency by 2034. Another year of losses would move that date even closer. We just don't know if we're going to be back to normal this year, next year, or whenever. Stephen Gross, the, the chief actuary of the Social Security Administration, said, And if the coronavirus response triggers a long-term recession, the urgency of Social Security status becomes more apparent. According to a projection from the Bipartisan Policy Institute, another recession of the length and depth of the so-called Great Recession that followed the 2008 market crash would cause Social Security to face insolvency before the end of the current decade. Boy, this is the domino effect with all this, guys. This is the domino effect. This This program already... Imagine being forced, we're all forced to pay into this program to make sure that we're all financially secured when we're older, right? Because the government has completely stripped away the responsibility to where back in the old days, your children were supposed to take care of you when you were older. You were supposed to save money so you could take, you could retire. But no, the, the, the government has completely stripped the responsibility away from yourself and your family to take care of yourselves and say, Oh, the government is going to make sure that you're financially secure. When you're older, you just pay into this program. Every, every paycheck, every bit of money that you get into, uh, get given to you. You're going to pay into this program. We're going to make sure that you're all set. When you retire, you're not going to go hungry. You're going to have paychecks. Believe us. Well, obviously this didn't work. Because government's going to government. They used it as their own little piggy bank. They can dip into it anytime they want. They're stealing your money that's being stolen from you. Every single paycheck as their own. You can't even, you can't even grab money out of your own 401k retirement fund without penalties paying the government. And now you can't even rely on social security. It's an insolvent program that's now being, the date is being pushed back to where benefits, people are relying on this when they're, when they retire, they're going to get benefits cuts now, maybe even sooner rather than later. Ay, ay, ay. And all of this because of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, it was, it was kind of reported early on that this thing was extremely deadly. 
And in some cases it is for, for cases where people have pre-existing conditions, which is a vast majority of the, uh, the cases that were serious, the patients had pre-existing conditions. The, the, the cases where it's a fully healthy adult, middle-aged adult, relatively healthy, you know, not overweight, doesn't have any pre-existing conditions. It's virtually non-existent. I believe like well over 50% of cases are asymptomatic. You don't have a, you don't have a reaction. And if you do have a reaction to the virus, a vast majority of them are more minimal at best. There have been some serious cases, some with fully healthy people getting a very bad case of this just reacts differently to different people. But when you look on the, the scale of the entire country, a vast majority of these serious cases are people who are already sick. These are the people that you need to take care of, but to, to fear monger about this thing being a straight up deadly disease to everybody is just false. An L.A. County antibody test suggests that the fatality rate for the COVID-19 virus is much lower than people feared. Preliminary results from the antibody test in Los Angeles County indicate the true number of COVID-19 infections is much higher than the number of confirmed cases there, which implies that the fatality rate is much lower than the official tallies suggest. The mortality rate has dropped a lot. Barbara Ferrer, director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, said on a press briefing today. In contrast with the current crude case fatality rate of 4.5%, she said, the study finds that 0.1% to 0.2% of people infected by the virus will die, which would make COVID-19 only somewhat more deadly than the seasonal flu. Based on a representative sample of 863 adults tested earlier this month, researchers at the University of Southern California working in collaboration with the public health department found that approximately 4.1% of the county's adult population has the antibody to the virus. Taking into account the statistical margin of error, the results indicate that 2.8% to 5.6% of the county's adult population has antibody to the virus, which translates to approximately 221,000 to 442,000 adults in the country who have had the infection. This is 28 to 55 times higher than the tally of confirmed cases at the time of the study. Now, As of noon today, Los Angeles County has reported 617 deaths out of 13,816 confirmed cases, which implies the fatality rate of 4.5%. Based on that death toll, the new study suggests the true fatality rate among everyone infected by the virus is somewhere between 0.1% and 0.3%, without taking into account people infected since the study was conducted. The lower end of that range is about the same as the estimated fatality rate for the seasonal flu. Boy, when this when this whole ride is over, and, and honestly, we don't know, okay? Like in the last episode, I was talking to my buddy Matt Bell. We, we don't know the end of this. We don't know the end result of this. It, it very well, 
there have been reports that this thing has mutated over 30 times. There's 30 different strains potentially. Um, we know that um, the current models and projections have been wildly inaccurate, but this is a novel coronavirus. This is a thing where in all honestly, in all honesty, that people know there is no expert in this. They can predict what's going, they can try and predict what's going to happen, but they have no idea. So the current models only go uh, up until the ones that I've seen September. They have no idea what this thing is going to do in the fall. What happens in the winter? Does it come back in the winter? Very likely it does. Very likely it does. And it may be a completely different strain. Is that strain going to be worse or close to the same as the one that we're dealing with now? We don't know. There is no way to know. We don't have a crystal ball we can look into. We have no idea. However, what we do know is that the predictions that and the models that we have been given were wildly, wildly overestimated. At this time, this is what we know. They've been wildly overestimated and the numbers keep dropping as far as the death, the, the, um, the death rate of this virus, as well as the, the, the severity of the virus. Now, why did Italy have such a high death rate? Why did uh, uh, Iran have such a high death rate? Those things can probably be broken into different healthcare systems. The the age of the population there. I know Italy has like I believe the second oldest population in the world. I believe Japan is number one. We know that this uh, this virus affects um, the older population uh, much more severely than the younger population. But it's all very interesting. You know, it's something to keep up with. But if this thing, if this ride comes to an end, which I don't know if it'll ever come to an end, I think this is like a novel coronavirus. It might come back like the flu, like a like a like a cold that you get every year. Who knows if this ride will ever be over? But are the measures being taken now to prevent this virus worse than the virus itself? At this time, it seems like it. It really does. You have completely taken a sledgehammer to the United States economy and the world economy. Stopped it to a grinding halt for something that seemingly, at this time, looks to be on par, if not maybe a little worse than the seasonal flu average of deaths. Like I said, things can change, but at this time, man, guys, it, it looks like we have severely overreacted to this thing and, and we're going to be paying the consequences economically uh, for a very long time that, that you can't just snap your fingers and fix what's been done. Just can't happen. All right, let's move on. Uh, this one's actually, it's a little bit silly. But this has been making the rounds. Maybe you've seen the memes. Um, but there have been rounds on the media outlet suggesting that Trump um, suggested that uh, that Trump was 
I don't know, expressing the idea that you should inject a disinfectant or bleach into the human body to cure COVID. Well, not cure, but like combat COVID-19. So did Trump actually suggest that injecting bleach could fix COVID-19 in the human body? Uh, the best I can say is is kind of, but not really. <laughs> so let me explain. The, the context of Trump's remarks was uh, with a presentation by William Bryan, the senior director of the uh, of Homeland Security official who oversees science and technology stuff. So Brian summarized the results of the experiments that found uh, exposure to sunlight dramatically reduced the half-life of the coronavirus particles uh, on non-porous surfaces such as door handles, stainless steel. Um, he also noted that applying bleach will kill the virus in five minutes, while um, alcohol, the isopropyl, I don't, I don't know how... What's the correct pronunciation of that? Uh, essentially, alcohol will kill the virus in 30 seconds. Um, so let me I'm going to read Trump's response here to that information. Um, this is a White House transcript. I'm going to play the, the video so you can hear it for yourself as well. But here we go. So this is President Trump. I asked Bill a question that probably some of you are thinking of. If you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, whether it's ultraviolet or very powerful light. And I think you said that that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, <laughs> which is okay. Ultraviolet light inside the body. Like, uh, what if we just put a light bulb inside, killed the virus? <laughs> a fantastic idea. I think it might work. Uh, supposing that you brought the light inside the body, which you can do either through skin or in some other way. I think you said you're going to test that too. It sounds interesting. <laughs> okay. I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to test that, but sure. Now this next section is going to be what the media outlets are all talking about, what you may be seeing on Twitter with all the memes and everything. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute. One minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Because you see, it gets in the lungs and it does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me. So. <laughs> uh, Apparently, Trump's comments were, were alarming enough to prompt an advisory from um, the British manufacturer of Lysol um, products. <laughs> and uh, essentially, they, they released a public announcement that like they were saying, please don't inject our products into your body, into the human body. It's this does nothing for the virus. It's actually poisonous if you ingest it. <laughs> please don't. This is the world we're living in now. We're we're like the manufacturer of Lysol and, and like Clorox and stuff are having to come out and say, please don't put this into your body. This isn't a cure. This is like the, the same thing as like the, those stupid people that drink the, um, the fish tank cleaner, the, because it had the name chloroquine in it because you've seen, I don't know if you guys have heard, I haven't covered this, but Trump was touting hydroxychloroquine, I believe is the name of it. 
um, as a substance that doctors have been kind of raving about to, to fight the coronavirus pandemic um, or to relieve the symptoms of it quickly. Um, and it actually seems like, it, yes, it does help. But some dumb people went and like just looked up chloroquine, which if you're messing with like substances and elements and, and everything like that, there are different versions of everything. So apparently they just picked up a bottle of like this fish cleaning stuff and they read the back and they saw chloroquine on it. <laughs> so I guess one guy drank it and died. So I don't know. That's just, that's just seems like natural selection to me. I mean, if you're going to drink a bottle of fish cleaner, then yeah. I mean, that's just how we get better as a species from that point. Uh, same thing here. If people drink Lysol or inject Lysol or bleach into their body, uh, we're, we're becoming a better species. Everybody just think about it that way. Let them, uh, let them go ahead and do it. <laughs> I don't know. Is that too harsh? <laughs> I've, maybe, I, I don't know. I think if you're that inclined to, uh, to do that, if you're that stupid, then Hey, maybe, uh, we might be better off as a species, maybe. Hmm? Don't want that person procreating. So did the president recommend that Americans inject themselves with bleach as a substance to combat COVID-19? Well, no, he didn't. Um, but the memes have been utterly fantastic. Uh, basically, the way I saw it, and I'll play the video here shortly. The way I heard him say it, he basically sounded like a child trying to figure out, like if you asked a child, what could be done against a virus? They, they would say like, I don't know, chicken soup or soap or wipes, you know, disinfected wipes, Clorox wipes. Um, the same thing with Trump. Like <laughs> he's, he's, he's like bleach, uh, disinfectant bleach kills viruses, right? Uh, what about taking something like that and putting it inside the body? I don't know. You, you medical people, uh, have you tried, have you tried disinfecting the human body before? <laughs> I don't know. Like the cleaning lady that cleans my golf clubs. So it's basically like a child trying to explain, well, have you guys tried disinfecting the inside of the human body? That's the way I saw it. He didn't actually say that you should inject bleach. Um, today, Trump claimed that he was just kidding about all that, which is such a Trump thing to do. No, no, I didn't. Act, no, I didn't say you should inject bleach into your body. Okay, I was kidding. It's sarcasm, fake news. <laughs> the most Trump statement ever. Um, but here, how about you guys just uh, take a listen for yourself? Trying to ask Bill a question that probably some of you are thinking of if you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that has him in check, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. Right. And then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs, and it, 
does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it, in one. So as you heard, I mean, obviously, are the, the media um, outlets are completely blowing this out of proportion. For me, when I hear him say that, he's just it's like a child talking like, yeah, I hear uh, disinfectant kills it in a minute. So can you do the same thing with the human body? Find a way to disinfect it in, within a minute? I don't know. It's something to look into. <laughs> he's just clumsy with his words. I don't know. It's a, it's a silly thing. I love the memes. You see the memes of like these Clorox tablet chewables <laughs> going around like Lysol uh, <laughs> inhalers. <laughs> All these different things about inf- disinfecting the inside of the human body. The memes are fantastic <laughs> going around. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. So this was the, <laughs> this is just peak government right here. So the CDC. So um, in the last episode, I kind of briefly talked to Matt about the CDC fumbling this whole coronavirus pandemic. Um, the response to it the CDC had all of their tests contaminated, right? So the CDC provided a bunch of tests out to everyone. Once this thing, this thing, they were already behind on it. So everyone was screaming for tests because they needed tests to be able to test people to know who, how many were sick and how it was spreading. So the CDC finally got around to giving these people tests and they had to recall all of them because they said that they were, um, they were faulty or contaminated. Well, upon further research, it turns out that these CDC COVID-19 tests were contaminated and they were contaminated with the COVID-19 virus. No, I'm not kidding. (laughs) The CDC sent out tests that were potentially contaminated with the COVID-19 virus (laughs) and people want the government to control healthcare. Can you believe that? People want government to control healthcare. Meanwhile, the CDC is literally sending the COVID-19 virus out to everybody. (laughs) Oh my God. The center of disease control and prevention violated its own manufacturing standards, which led to contamination of the country's first coronavirus tests, rendering them ineffective. The Washington Post reported Saturday, April 18th. Problems with the tests were reported not long after the first case of COVID-19, um, The disease caused by SARS-CoV-2 was announced in late January in the United States. The The Food and Drug Administration sent uh, Timothy Stenzel, the agency's director of vitro diagnostics and radiological health, to the CDC headquarters in Atlanta to identify the source of the problem. According to the New York Times, Stenzel found that no one was in charge of the entire test manufacturing process and that those working on the tests didn't have much experience in commercial manufacturing. He also observed several opportunities for contamination, including test kit assembly in the same room with coronavirus material. They're assembling the test kits in the same room where there's coronavirus material present. The CDC made its tests in a lab rather than in its manufacturing facilities, an FDA spokesperson told CNN. The CDC did not manufacture its tests consistent with its own protocol. The part of the test exposed to contamination was not necessary for detecting the COVID-19 virus. The Post reports, yet it took several weeks to eliminate that part from the test kits, adding to delays in the testing across the country. 
Many federal officials, including the CDC director, Robert Redfield, have said that the contamination in the agency's labs might have been what made the test ineffective. A spokesperson for the agency told the Times that contamination was just a possibility, then provided a statement that the CDC implied implemented enhanced quality control to address the issue and will be assessing the issue moving forward. Even with improved test kits from the CDC and now from other commercial companies as well, availability is still limited. Testing is not yet widespread enough to reopen the country, health experts tells the Times. Isn't that wild? Oh my God. There you go. Government healthcare, right there. The CDC putting together their testing kits in the same room where there's coronavirus material present. Boy. And these are the smartest and the best of the best, right? These are the people that we should rely on. This is why we pay taxes. We're not the experts. We have to pay taxes so that the experts can protect us from stuff like this. And these dumbasses are creating the test in the same room where the the virus is. Yeah, boy. Going to good work, those taxes, huh? Let's move on to a uh, a video that's kind of a little bit more frustrating. So this is Andrew Cuomo, New York uh, governor. Andrew Cuomo. Uh, battling a reporter asking if the measures taken against the COVID-19 virus might be worse than the virus itself. Take a listen. Said They said the cure is worse than the illness. The illness is death. I don't know if you can hear, but there are protesters outside right now honking their horns and raising signs. And they're saying that they don't have time to wait for all of this testing and they need to get back to work in order to feed their families. Their savings is running out. They don't have another week. They're not getting answers. So their point is the cure can't be worse than the illness itself. Yeah. What is your response to them? The illness is death. What is worse than death? Well, what if somebody commits suicide because they can't pay their bills? Yeah, but the illnesses may be my death as opposed to your death. You said they said the cure is worse than the illness. The illness is death. How can the cure be worse than the illness if the illness is potential death? What if the the economy failing worse than death is equals death because of mental illness, the people people stuck at home? No, it doesn't. It doesn't equal death. Economic hardship. Yes. Very bad. Not death. Emotional stress from being locked in a house. Very bad. Not death. Domestic violence on the increase, very bad, not death, and not death of someone else. It's not about me. It's- um, no, no. Economic recessions and hardships absolutely lead to death. Suicide rates go up during economic crises. Drug and alcohol abuse go up, leading to overdoses, and domestic violence rate increases. It increases these rates dramatically. And 
is it kind of creates a vicious, deadly cycle. As the domestic violence rate increases, the victims also see an increase in dis, in depression and suicidal thoughts, as well as drug and alcohol abuse. It's just a vicious cycle. So Cuomo was saying that economic hardships don't lead to death. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. And as we're finding out more and more that the severity and the death rate of this virus is getting lower and lower, this argument is falling apart. This, this virus is not a guaranteed death sentence. It, it just isn't. It's as much as a death sentence at this point in time as the seasonal flu. So this argument is bunk. about we get your head about the around the we concept don't worry about yourself yourself isn't important worry about others so it's not all about you and think about it as if it was your family that might get infected right and nothing comes before the public health risk of somebody else's life and that's where we are but they're also saying, if you can't afford to pay me unemployment or, you, or your system you is will not be set paid. up. You will be paid but unemployment they, they can't from wait the day. For the, they, they can't wait for the money. They're out of money. Yeah, we're talking about a couple of days lag on the unemployment insurance, and they will get the check from the date of unemployment. It does not cost them an extra penny. Now, they can say unemployment insurance isn't enough. I get it. Uh, even with the $600 check and the $1,200 check and the unemployment insurance benefit is not enough. I understand the economic hardship. We all feel it. The question is, what do you do? Do you think Andrew Cuomo really feels the economic hardship? I mean, that dude's still getting paid millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Oh, believe me, we all feel it. The economic hardship. I know that you're only getting 1200 bucks, and you're supposed to buy groceries and pay rent and survive for months on $1,200. How can you stretch $1,200? You're complaining to me about $1,200 and you can't stretch that out across a couple months. Meanwhile, I'm collecting a paycheck. About it. And do you put public health at risk? And do you drive up the number of deaths for it? Because you have no idea how to reopen now. So they're saying that, is there a fundamental right to work if the government can't get me the money when I need it? Is there yeah, a you want to, right you want to, to go, go to work? work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. Right? You're working. I am. You're an essential worker. So go take a job as an but, essential but, worker. But the people aren't hiring because of the No, pandemic. there are people hiring. You can get a job as an essential worker. So now you can go to work and you can be an essential worker and you're not going to kill anyone. Dude, this guy. Just go get it. I know. You're complaining to me? What are you complaining for? Get off your ass and go get a job while everyone is laying off people. Go get a job as an essential worker. Idiot. Go get a job as an essential worker. Don't complain that you don't have any money. Go work, you lazy bum. Even though we wrecked your small business, maybe that you owned. Go work and make something of yourself, you lazy bum. Even though we wrecked your life and completely cut off your money flow and you're expected to pay rent. And all we're giving you is a measly $1,200. And many don't even have the $1,200. Get off your ass, lazy. Go get a job as an essential worker like me.
What the hell are you even doing, Cuomo? What have you done to fix any of this? People are suffering. And and people are wanting to get back to work to make money so that they can get food. The only way they can get food right now is to wait in miles-long lines at a food bank. God forbid they actually want to have some money in their freaking pockets so they can go to a freaking grocery store. Screw you, dude. Yeah, I, I, that that made me... Sorry, guys, I got upset on that one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the audacity of that guy. Oh, my gosh. Let's let's move on from that uh, to slightly better news. Huh? Um, 73% of vets approve withdrawing from Afghanistan, a new poll finds. How about that, huh? 73% of vets approve it. Um. Nearly three quarters of veterans support a complete withdrawal from the U.S. of the U.S. troops from Afghanistan. A new poll released on Wednesday shows the data compiled by the conservative activist group Concerned Veterans for America shows a nearly 15 percent increase in support of a full troop withdrawal from Afghanistan just over a month from a formal um, drawdown began. I think this shows the fatigue for of almost two decades decades of war. Nate Anderson, executive director of the group, told Military Times, "The U.S. last month began with began withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, a significant first step in its peace deal with the Taliban that was struck late February. I think there is increased awareness among the American public about how long we have been fighting," Mr. Anderson said. The group, which has close ties to the Koch network and the Trump administration, Military Times reported, surveyed around 700 military veterans and around and about 800 military family members from April 7th to April 10th. Of the veterans surveyed, 73% supported a full withdrawal of US, U.S. troops, while 69% of military family members expressed the same opinion. <sighs> I, I suppose a silver lining to all of this COVID-19 mess. The government has no money to wage useless wars, unproductive wars. Get out. The country is hemorrhaging money right now. The economy is not functioning and you're still spending trillions having troops in Afghanistan, Iraq, and all these other useless places. What are you doing there? Been there 20 years. Get out. Even the veterans, a vast majority of veterans are saying that now. Vast, vast majority. Um, another breaking news. This, this is actually today. Um, this is from Reuters. China has sent a team, including medical experts, to advise on North, Korean, North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un. So apparently... There have been rumors going around that Kim Jong-un may have had complications with a uh, heart surgery, cardiovascular surgery. Boy, oh boy, what is going on here? So this Reuters article says China has dispatched a team to North Korea, including medical experts to advise on North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un. According to three people familiar with the situation, a trip by the t- the trip by the Chinese doctors and officials comes amid conflicting reports about the health of the North Korean leader. 
Reuters was able to was unable to immediately determine what the trip by the Chinese team signaled in terms of Kim's health. Is he dead? Is he not dead? Is he really sick? Is he on the brink of dying? Who knows? A delegation led by a senior member of the Chinese Communist Party International Liaison Department left Beijing for North Korea on Thursday. Two of the people said the department the department is the main Chinese body dealing with the neighboring North Korea. <clears throat> the sources declined to be identified, giving the sensitivity of the matter. The liaison department could not be reached by Reuters for their comment late Friday. China's foreign ministry did not immediately respond to their request for comment late on Friday. Daily North Korea, a Seoul-based, uh, a Seoul-based website, reported earlier this week that Kim was recovering after undergoing a cardiovascular procedure on April the 12th. It cited one unnamed source in North Korea. The South Korean government officials and Chinese officials with the liaison department challenged subsequent reports suggesting that Kim was in grave danger after surgery. South Korean officials said that they had detected no signs of unusual activity in North Korea. On Thursday, U.S. President Donald Trump also downplayed the earlier reports that Kim was gravely ill. I think the report was incorrect, Trump told reporters, but he declined to say if he had been in touch with the North Korean officials. On Friday, a South Korean source told Reuters their intelligence was that Kim was alive and would likely make an appearance soon. The person said he did not have any comment on Kim's current condition or any Chinese involvement. An official familiar with the U.S. intelligence said that Kim was known to have health problems, but they had no reason to conclude that he was seriously ill or unable to eventually reappear in public. So this is the thing is apparently... Kim Jong-un has been missing from several big events in North Korea. So that's when the rumors started to get around. He had surgery. He hasn't been seen since in public. Um, the dude is a known smoker, a, a very, uh, very big smoker. And uh, if you've seen pictures of him, he's not the healthiest looking guy. So um, cardiovascular surgery well, on a person like that. In North Korea, doesn't have the greatest healthcare system, huh? <laughs> I could, I could see that there could be potential complications. Though, could you imagine? Oh my God! If something did happen to that guy, could you imagine what th- is going through? The, the the surgeon would already be dead if that was the case. Like that, that whole medical team would be just straight up lined against the wall. Ay ay ay. Let's let's end on a happy note. Is sports coming back? Boy, I hope sports are coming back. Boy, I hope they are. We just had the NFL virtual draft. I sat down the last three days. I've watched. I watched the majority of all three days. Um, I, I followed the Jaguars. I feel like the Jaguars had a pretty solid draft. I'm happy with it. The, the first round. I was their very first pick was C.J. Henderson, cornerback. Uh not my favorite, but I, overall they had a solid draft. I really feel like it, but man, it was nice to have a big football event for the country to be focused on. It just felt like, uh, I don't know. Maybe you don't, maybe you're listening to me. You don't really follow sports, but I, I follow football and I listen to a lot of sports radio. It just felt like everybody was ready for this. Of course, this is like the only sporting event that everyone can kind of rally behind right now. 
but everyone was ready for the virtual draft. And plus, it was a new experience. This isn't like your traditional NFL draft. Nobody can be together because of all this COVID-19 stuff. So they had a virtual draft. And surprisingly, it it actually worked well. I, they pulled it off. I didn't know how they were going to pull it off. I, I thought for sure this was going to be like watching a train wreck in slow motion, but they actually pulled it off. I didn't think it would work, but it did. And uh, it brought some fantastic moments that only a virtual draft could bring. You, you know, you had um, <laughs> there was a uh, time when uh, the Patriots were making their first round selection and um, Bill Belichick's dog was sitting in a seat and they go to like his webcam to show, because that's what they did. They, they had webcams on everybody, the players, the coaches, the drafting rooms, the, the owners, they had, they had cameras on everybody and they would switch the cameras. And so when it was time for the Patriots to draft, they switch it to, to Bill Belichick's camera and it's just his dog sitting in the chair in front of the computer. <laughs> 100% he did that on purpose. So it seemingly looked like Bill Belichick's dog was making the first pick for the New England Patriots in the first round. And so they had great moments from Bill Belichick's dog all the way to a player's girlfriend being literally lifted and thrown off of him <laughs> on camera by his mother during like their, their drafting celebration. So the kid gets drafted and the girlfriend like goes and like hugs on the player and the mom just walks over and literally lifts this woman up and throws her off of her son. It's just amazing moment right there. Uh, and I mean, these are the types of things that the country needs. The country needs sports to rally around and it needs it badly right now. It really does. People need something like this badly. It seems like the worst of the coronavirus is past us. They said that we reached our peak. We're starting to trend downwards now. So even if it's without fans, I mean, we need, we need something to come together on sports will always remind us no matter how how bad of a situation we've been in. You saw it after 9-11. I mean, one of the big things that rallied us all together during a really bad time has always been sports. Sports will always remind us that no matter how different we all are as a country, we can all come together and, and find some uh, find some common ground with each other. It's such an important thing in our country. And I think, boy, to to take that away from everybody would be just a giant mistake. So hopefully here soon we can get some sports. It looks good. If we're trending downwards, it sounds like we might be able to get some sports. But uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, be sure to visit our Facebook page, like us, subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me a review. It would really help us out. But I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.